The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. First, a welcome to Eamon Ryan, Minister for Transport, Climate, Environment and Communications and TD for Dublin Bay South. Uh, Minister, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Now, uh, lots of uh, things attached to your brief in the news uh, and uh, we know that the warnings about global warning, warming, 1.48 degrees from uh, pre-industrial times is a concern. Uh, we're not going to dwell too much on that because we've already covered it. Uh, but let's talk about, first of all, yesterday's news that Dublin is so congested, we're the second slowest city in the developed world to get across. Yeah, we need to change that. We all know it. People, I'm sure there's a lot of people in cars listening to us as we speak, Pat, who are um, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now tends to be busy days. It's, it's strange. It's changed with the remote working um, but it is a real issue. We have to change the transport system in Dublin and we have to do the same in, in all our cities and towns, in my mind, but particularly Dublin. Uh, and the way to do that is set out our Greater Dublin Area Transport Strategy is uh, sets out the path and it is to provide better public transport, to provide better alternatives so that people uh, can get, get around and in and out of town quicker. It is to make it safer to walk and cycle so that uh, we can see. I, I don't see any reason why Dublin, a flat city, a, a dry, relatively dry city, um, uh, shouldn't be like comparable mm. cities like Amsterdam, Copenhagen. Yeah, but what are you trying to do? You're trying to create a city simply for the able-bodied and the young. Is that your vision? No, that older people and people with some difficulties of mobility just stay at home or go to the burbs. Exactly. Go to the suburban shopping centres, stay out of town, we don't want you. The exact opposite. And, and I think um, that's why I do think particularly public transport is important. There are a lot of people who can't drive, who don't have access to a car, a lot of older people and younger people, and, and the investment in public transport for them is particularly important. Um, it is still a city where we have to make sure that for car drivers it works and for deliveries and for haulage and all the other elements of the transport system. Uh, it's not anti-car, anti-motorist, but we all know that if if everyone is in the car... It won't work for anyone. You you can't build the road space to cope with that demand. So therefore, we do have to make the switch. Yeah, most of the time, when some new initiative is brought in, uh, you provide the alternative first, mm. and then you uh, do the initiative. In in all sorts of endeavours, if you are trying to persuade people uh, that they need to bank online, well, you try to put the banking online <laughs> provisions there before you force them maybe out of the post office and into online. Here we have a situation where you're forcing people out of the car without an adequate public transport infrastructure to help them make those journeys efficiently. I'd wished we'd built the public transport first, Pat. I, I agree with you. I don't disagree. But nothing's been done since you've been in power. I mean, during the pandemic, as you recall, there was an opportunity, for example, or during the recession, rather, there was an opportunity from a Spanish company who would come in and build a metro for us. We turned that down. No, we are going ahead with the metro. It will go to Orly. One line. Or maybe two lines, maybe one from Houston into the centre of town through Stevens Green and maybe Metro North if it ever gets going. Broadly, the pub, just to outline the public transport, what we're going to do, and, and we are going, about to do this now. Um, Metro is important because it provides a spine. It's, it's not the be-all and end-all, but it is an important element uh, running from north of Swords through all those key points on the north side, uh, the airport, DCU, the hospitals, into Glasnevin, into the city centre. 
Um, it will in future connect to the south side, but the first stage will go as far as Charlemagne Street. That's an important spine. The other key element, and it's a major expansion in the DART infrastructure, is the DART Plus, we're, we're calling it. And that's a major upgrade and extension of the DART system beyond Maynooth uh, to Kilcock, towards Kilcock. And also developing the Dart Southwest and also developing the Dart further on the East Coast and Northeast. Um, there are immediate improvements coming in terms of a large number of additional train carriages and uh, new Dart carriages coming, which will help us that as well. And then third key element in terms of Dublin, now we're just talking about Dublin, is the Bus Connects network. And that is going to be delivered. There has been delay in the last three years. It is true. We were unable to get... The Metro was announced in 1977. Yeah, and I wish, going back to what you said at the start, I remember I was involved at the time in the Dublin Transportation Advisory Office and I remember in 1999, I think it was, the key planners and engineers said, whatever you do, build the Metro first and then upgrade the M50. And we did the exact opposite. We upgraded the M50 first and put the metro to the side. That was a mistake in my mind. And yes, we have to, you can't undo that. But, but so I agree with your f- f- fundamental first premise. But even Bus Connects, which the idea is to mimic rail lines. In other words, you have unobstructed access for buses. When they reach a traffic light, it automatically goes green for them uh, so they can uh, go swiftly through uh, the suburbs into the centre of Dublin. But I heard yesterday on one of our programmes that someone's saying, well, you know, buses, bus connects along a corridor can deliver maybe 3,000 people an hour. And that, yeah. One dart line can deliver a multiple of that in half the time. Agreed. And that's why the overall strategy, so it includes those three elements, the metro, the dart, the bus connects. It also looks at the medium-term plan for the city is a further extension of the Lewis network for exactly that, that reason. That would take slightly longer. But just to give people some confidence that there is change happening, those bus connects routes, which were delayed in planning for the last three years, are now coming out of planning. With another one agreed yesterday, Clon, Clon, Clon Griffin. And we haven't been just waiting for that. We have been re-changing the entire bus network to make it quicker, more efficient, more effective. And now with those bus connects routes coming through planning, they will go to con, con, uh, construction. And the bus system will be the, the main uh, transport, but it's public no, transport. It's no metro. And in terms of capacity, it is no metro. And the problem with anything that is on the street is that it does conflict with other uh, users, whether they're buses who want to cross the path of bus connects or whether they're taxis or whether they're scooters or pedestrians or bicycles or cars. Um, That's the problem when you're trying to deliver rapid transit on the surface. The only way to deliver rapid transit is underground. Rapid transit. And and that's why we should and will build the metro. But you need both. And that's why this summer as well, your point is also true, we do have a, a real challenge when it comes to providing for the bus network, but also for safe walking and cycling, we will need to reallocate road space. The, that will start this summer with significant change to Dublin city centre, where we are looking to change the traffic management system to dissuade the true traffic, not access traffic. So if someone has to deliver something or someone has to get into work for whatever different, you know, what, whatever different area of the city centre. How much centre, of the traffic is through traffic? About 60%. OK, so why don't you build a tunnel? Like most modern cities, if you can't move the traffic on the surface through the city, you have underpasses. I mean, famously, we know Princess Diana died in one of those tunnels in Paris. But there are uh, loads of cities where there's an example of bypassing underground. We seem to 
be afraid of tunnelling for some reason? Two or three points on that. Well, firstly, it would be incredibly expensive. And we do need to invest in public transport and in other transport and roads, in other, in Cork, Galway, Waterford, Limerick. It can't all just be Dublin. For Dublin's sake too, because if, if, if you don't get balanced region development, Dublin just gets over overheated. Yeah, but see, if you give me the figure, which is quite startling, 60% yeah. of the traffic is through traffic. In the, in if you could eliminate that. Now, uh, the M50 was designed to take some of the through traffic away. So you went around the ring. It was supposed to be a no ring connecting all the way through under Dublin Port and out the far side, connecting the M50 at around uh, Dundrum, I think, uh, through where the Radisson Hotel is. It was supposed to be that. The O-ring was abandoned and we're left with the C-ring, which is not as uh, efficient, but given the congestion on the M50 anyway, that is not necessarily the solution. But it's 60% of the traffic... Via a tunnel. Why wasn't that done? Yeah, I don't think you get a tunnel, a tunnel which would do it effectively. But can I just make the point here, Pat? Two, two or three points. Firstly, the volume of traffic in the city centre is constrained already. The actual centre of Dublin, if you think about it, is almost similar to an island in the sense you have the Royal Canal and the Grand Canal circulate on each side, and there's a constraint in the canal bridges. Everyone will know it. You look at Bath sure. Street Bridge, you look at Leeson Street Bridge, you look at uh, Newcombe Bridge. All, all the uh, canal bridges are actually. Constraint. So there's actually a relatively low level of traffic in the city centre. The big traffic growth has been further out in along the M50 and along the, the kind of other orbital networks. But can I make a point, Pat, just to give people some sense? Yes, we have a real challenge. Yes, we need to change. Dublin needs to radically change transport-wise. It is starting to happen. Our public transport numbers are rising dramatically. They went about up about 15% overall last year, including in Dublin bus and including in, in the Lewis Metro and Irish Rail. Um, we can and will be good at this. It is true, going back to your first premise, I wish that we'd built the public transport first, but we haven't. This government changed that because we said we recognise that as a problem and said we will change the spending ratio. We will provide 10% of the transport spending for active travel because that it needs to be safe and that is the, one of the best investments. But we will also spend twice as much on public tra- on new public transport as, as we are on new roads. Now, we're still spending a lot on roads. We'll spill, still spend a billion a year on just maintaining and upkeeping mm. the roads. And that's really important for safety and for quality and for making sure that they work properly. But we do need to switch spending to public transport. And that's what this mm. government is doing. Thanks, I would say, to the Green Party and government, but with the support of our government colleagues. Mm. Now, now, you talk about taking more road space from the motorist and giving it to the walkers and the, the cyclists and the scooterists and so on. Um, at the moment... Dublin City is a bit like an obstacle course, Um, you know, where you used to go, you can't go anymore, Uh, where roads used to be wider, there are now cycle lanes and little plastic bollards and so on. Uh, This WhatsApp, ask the minister to drive a bus through the city. Let him see how difficult it is. Uh, Another one uh, suggesting that uh, bus connects may be okay, but what about the shortage of drivers? You know, you can't get drivers, so you're going to need more drivers if Bus Connects is to work uh, properly. I agree. It is. And and that's why Bus Connects is so important. Well, firstly, to that bus driver, he's right. It is incredibly challenging. I used to drive many buses in the city, but not the larger buses. But of course, you're aware of that. That's one of the reasons why Bus Connects makes such sense, that it makes it easier for the buses to get through. The other benefit of that is if you have a bus turning around and getting back on its route again quicker, 
you don't need as many drivers. And that is a real constraint. We are at a full employment economy. It is hard to get drivers. That has been a real challenge. That's one of the reasons why we need Bus Connects delivered fast, mm. because the bus driver that's working there is not stuck in traffic or, or their, their passengers. And that's why the Bus Connects is going to be the key immediate first yeah. priority. Um, and another one, uh, has the Minister had any analysis made on the impact of cycle lanes on car exhaust emissions, where once there were two lanes, now reduced to two, uh, to one lane, and therefore, because the cyclists are taking over the rest, they don't emit. But the cars are there, and they're sluggishly making their way through the city, polluting all the way. But now, not cars, everyone but, has an electric car or a hybrid. But, but those cars are stuck in traffic because of traffic, Pat. It's no, not, they're, they're, they're also stuck in traffic because you have reduced the capacity of the city to handle that traffic. You, When you provide that road space for walking and cycling and public transport, it actually provides enhanced capacity. The, the, the trying to run a city where, as a car is the key mechanism, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Not just does not work in a climate sense. Not to, not to, it doesn't work on a, on a... It doesn't work physically, geometrically. The space that the car system takes up, the need for all the car parking, the need for all the, the kind of ancillary services to support a car-dominated city does not work. No, but and, and that's been proven right across a- the world. I, I, I have been, I've been to cities where I have never had to use a taxi or a private car. Mm. You know, in Paris, which I used to visit regularly when my daughter was living there, I used the metro all the time because the metro could get me where I wanted to go very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. and that's why we will and should build the metro. But take Paris as an example, Pat. They're taking out the car lanes and putting in bike lanes and it's working. They're also taking out electric scooters and you're a proponent of electric scooters and you have uh, new rules and regs about electric scooters and they are totally unenforceable. Completely unenforceable. They're they're a pipe dream. They're not. They'll be introduced in March. They uh, and it is to regulate. Okay. We recognise that. Example. We do need to re- regulate um, them. Two days in a row, I have seen a scooter flying up Harcourt Street against the traffic. It's not allowed mm. for a scooter to go up there. Uh, with a Lewis coming down against it, and also motor traffic coming down against it, this scooter guy goes up. And I saw him twice. Saw him again this morning. Who's going to catch him? The guard, the chicana. How? The, they well, stop him. He doesn't have to have identification. No. No. So they say, what's your name? My name is Eamon Ryan. Uh, where do you live? I live in blah, 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 blah. OK, and here's your ticket. In or regu- how do they catch him? If he regu- doesn't stop, how do they catch him? In regulation, Pat, we, 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 we put the legislation through for the first time to regulate these scooters, recognising that that needed to happen. We recognise in the doll that the best way to do that was to treat them similar to cyclists in the sense that that's the place in the road that they should be. They shouldn't be on the footpath. There are speed constraints. No, but how do you catch them? This is the, the point about any regulation that's brought in. We're always told new regulations about, uh, you know, trying to reduce road traffic accidents. But if there's no enforcement to actually catch the people who might be speeding and so on and so forth, these new uh, rules and regulations are pointless. No one's going to be... A guard is not going to be able to catch a guy in a scooter. He's on his shank's mare. He's walking around the place, or she. They put the hand up to say, stop, your man who's dressed in a hoodie, he's all in black, he's no illumination, he's no number plate, off he goes, he doesn't stop. Now, who's going to catch him? You have a similar problem issue with someone cycling at the moment, Pat. And the guards are going to have, you know... They, it's their job to police and manage the, how they enforce so the law. give them a job that they cannot do. No, I don't agree that they can't do it. But can I make this point? I know and understand fully there's a lot of frustration out there, particularly from pedestrians or other road users, that the likes of e-scooters, but also some cyclists, are behaving in ways that are dangerous, that are intimidating, that create traffic hazards and so on. 
I believe that as we switch to a better organised, a better regulated, particularly in terms of reallocation of road space and a safer road system, our city is not safe for anyone, in my mind, currently. It's a chaotic system, particularly if you're a vulnerable road user, if you're a cyclist or a, 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 on an e-scooter. It's in all our interests that we change the nature of the way the road system works here. And I believe what will happen in that, and I think you're starting to see it happen, cyclists are starting to police each other. You do not pass, start, go through traffic lights. When you get to the form of the orderly queue there, it's cyclists are often now increasingly policing that because it's not cool and it's not correct. And if Cyclists actually, constantly break the lights. They, some do. But actually, when you start to create space and organise it in a way that's not chaotic, that's not inherently dangerous, which is the way it has been allowed to be, I believe that would be the best way of us so, policing so It's kind of back to the future. When uh, in O'Connell Street in the 1950s, there were more, far more bikes than cars. Yeah. And they stop at the policeman when he raised his hand. Yes. And the hordes stopped and they policed each other. Well, also think, there was a guard on, on uh, site. With traffic lights, you're hoping that if one cyclist breaks it, the others will all go boo, boo, boo. Yeah, you can't do but, that. But that does have an effect. You go and cycle in Copenhagen. And I, I see no reason why we shouldn't be planning Dublin to be similar to those cities. Now, and that's I exactly spoke, how I spoke works. to someone from uh, Denmark recently, and we'll broadcast the interview over the next few days, who said that they have these uh, lower speed limits in, in Copenhagen, for example, mm. of uh, 30 kilometres per hour. Mm. And I said, well, how does it work? Do people abuse it? Oh, no, no. She said, we engineer our streets so you can't go faster than yeah. 30 kilometres. We don't do that. We just stick a label up on the Dublin Keys or on Lisa Street or whatever it might be at 30k. Nobody observes it because if they do, they'd be honked out of it by buses, trucks, other road users, taxis and so on. We don't engineer our, our streets for that 30 kph we, limit. I agree with you. And I think what we need to do as we introduce Bus Connects, which will be a significant... Now, we're talking Dublin here, although the same applies to Cork Oil, Waterford, Limerick. Um, the introduction of the bus corridors in Dublin will allow us the opportunity to change the design system on the road to do exactly that. Uh, and this is coming. This is Funding is provided for... It's starting to come through planning. It will be built. Um, one of the, the texts I got... Uh, was about someone whose mother, age 90, was in hospital in St. Vincent's, put in a cupboard with a bed, suffering from dementia, ignored for several days, given a sandwich and a cup of tea, and really concerned and bewildered about what was happening. And, uh, you, you know, what the, the son of this person said, or the, the daughter of this person said, that, you know, why are we spending so much of our money on things like speed ramps and bicycle lanes when we can't get the basics of human existence right. What do you say? Like loads of money, as you're saying, loads of budget for this, that and well, the other, firstly, and we can't get the basic things right about Mark, our society. Well, for, well first of all, goes out to that woman and her family. Um, my father passed away in St. Vincent's Hospital. I could not give greater credit to the hospital and to the yeah, culture Once you get through it. the gatekeeping. Yeah, but it, it, it's important that we don't just write off... I think everyone in our health service, who in my mind, do a really good job. And I, it was interesting. We did but do you know what I mean? The basic things that we have been doing for years, like running a health service, we can't do it right. What confidence should we have that these harebrained schemes about cycle lanes and, uh, you know, coast-to-coast -coast, uh, cycleways are going to well, do what they are required to do, which is to get people off the road and to provide safe alternatives for those who want to walk or cycle. First, I disagree with the first premise. Uh, I stand up for our, our health system. 
Now, listen, loads of failings, loads of things that are wrong. But we have now one of the longest life expectancies, as I understand, in Europe. We had a a cabinet discussion on this the other day. We are starting to reduce the waiting list. The long-term over-a-year waiting list reduced by a third this or last year. We are... We are putting a lot of money into it. But if people just felt, felt, oh, you know, nothing can work. We're spending money and there's no outcome. There is an outcome. We're starting to see real benefits from some of the money we're spending in health. Similarly, if I make, just to then connect into the wider issue, when we spend on transport, well, firstly, it's connected to health in its own right. When we create a safe place for people to walk and cycle, that's probably the best health investment we could make. Regular exercise is the best way of actually reducing us having to spend on diabetes, on obesity, on a whole range of other health outcomes. So there is a connection. But the first thing I think we have to be slightly careful of out there is we can't do anything. We're the world's worst. No, no, no. I want you to build a metro. That's what I want you to do and and do it quickly. I, I do too. And it will go to oral hearing next month as soon as it comes out to that, we will go to the tendering process to build it. It will be built within, in the early part of the next decade, at the very latest. This and is 2023. Yeah. And you're telling me they'll start to build it maybe 2030. 20, 25, 26. Mm. Um, these texts come in. I have multiple cirrhosis and my car is my legs. I tried Lewis over the Christmas period and because of the illness... It's not visible. I wasn't given a seat in the relevant area. When the brakes were slammed on, I was thrown to the floor. My head bashed against the steel accordion area. I had mild concussion and a bump on my head for a month. I have gone back to my car. I would have electric if I could afford one. I can only work part-time because of disability. I now avoid the city despite being in my 40s. It's not for anyone with a disability. It's a disgrace. That's from Paula. Another one. Tell that man I'm nearly 70 years old. When all I had was a bike, my dream was to have a car. Safe, cosy and dry. No, No being battered by wind and rain and having to wear protective clothing. I got a car. I still have one. I won't be going backwards in the years ahead that I have left. I will be going forward and that does not include going back to riding a bike. And no one's and going I, to restrict He says that. I do get public transport when I'm going into Dublin City. Yeah, no, and no one's going to restrict that person. But can I go back to that point about going into Dublin City? Part of what we need to do, in my mind, is to see a revival of the centre of Dublin and indeed other other towns and cities right around the country. And we need people back living in the city. We need people back shopping. We need people back going in for entertainment. We can't have hollowed out cities where all life is done. And there's nothing wrong with people working around the M50 or anything that. But if we just create what they call donut cities, where all the life is on the periphery in the suburbs, that would not be the right way forward for Dublin or for the other cities around the country. Part then of the revival of the city centre and the development of business and people living in the city centre is creating a really attractive environment in the city. And that and the transport solutions are a key part of that. I, I actually think, go back to what we were talking about earlier about, about policing. Like how, it's not just about how do you police an e-scooter, how do you police the, the city centre? In my mind, when you have a city centre that's really vibrant with pedestrian, with people on the street, where there is life on the street, where there is a huge number of people coming in, that's what we need to provide for. And that's what the... the so you public, cycle in and your bike is stolen. Or get the bus, <laughs> you know or that. get the metro, or get the dart. Uh, are also walking cycling, yes. uh, We move on to other matters. Uh, uh, You'll be judged, obviously, in the forthcoming general election, whenever that might be. Uh, Talk of it being in November, but it could be, of course, in the early part of next year. Uh, What is your preference? Early part next year, and I'll tell you why. Um, They're very... (laughs) There are not many stable governments around the world at the moment. The world is in a fairly shocking state. 
And we do have a stable and effective government, to my mind. We have our differences in government, but we work well together. I don't see why we shouldn't. I mean, this year, I think we can build 40,000 houses. Why wouldn't we do that? Focus on that. Build the 40,000 houses and then go to the people next year on the promise of building more further Mm. after that. And I think... Is there some concern about uh, the toxicity that will surround the US presidential election kind of contaminating the election process here? It's not just... Yes, yes, there is. And I think part of that is the concern about what sort of disinformation, fake news are we going to see online? What sort of nonsense are we going to see which really does pollute the people's... Come back to the the reason I kick back you there about, oh, we're terrible, we can't do any hospital, we can't do anything... Because that's what that online fake news, disinformation, video stream, kind of uh, polarising information stream is saying. And that does really worry me. Now, the, how do you counter that? Well, firstly, you, you need firstly good quality media. I think one of the most important things this government has to do this first half of the year is to make sure we've got proper funding for broadcasting media. Um, but also, well, you stand up. You, don't, you stand up for our democratic constitutional system. You stand up for Irish politics. We have, listen, warts and all, we've loads of failings, but our country is not bad served, in my mind, by our constitutional okay. Now, we can't system. predict the outcome of the next election. Um, various parties have reservations about going in with Sinn Féin. Do you have any reservations? I mean, if they embraced your green agenda, which they're not as keen as articulating at the moment as you might like them to be. Uh, would you have any reservations going, about going in with them? Going back to the very first issue, which I know we didn't, we want time to discuss today, but our world is burning. It's an absolute crisis, emergency. This is the decade of change to try and stop that. We cannot afford to pick and choose who we'd go out in, in government. We, we need to involve everyone in the decarbonisation of our society to be part of our part of the solution. So if the Greens said, yeah, we're, we're OK with that, would you be happy to coalesce with them in some form? Yes. OK. Um, but would you be in charge? Because there was a time when you had aspirations to run for the presidency and that yeah, job is coming up again. So uh, I, was saying, I was saying at the Christmas, I, I regret in some ways back in that time, 2004, wasn't it, where I, I, I wasn't able to run. I wasn't able to get the signatures, um, but I won't be running in the next one because I, I think... Uh, it, there was there were, there was a reason I was running back in two thousand. I, I want to run back in two thousand and four, but but that won't be the case the next mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, finally, your legal difficulties. You're being uh, sued over Barry Row over a decision you made that oil that has been located cannot be taken out of the ground. Are you confident you could win that case? Yeah, it was done on purely. We, we don't uh, breach contract. We don't. But but the uh, we follow the rules and uh, and and on the legal process that we followed very closely. Uh, I'm. I'm confident that it'll be seen to be robust. Well, well, we leave the courts to make that uh, final decision. Eamon Ryan, Minister for Transport, Climate, Environment and Communications, TD for Dublin Bay South. Eamon, thank you very much for joining us in studio. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.